Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Glory to God. As we are entering into what God has for us today, join me in Psalm chapter 68. Psalm chapter 68, verses 3 and 4. And we want to um, look at something that we touched on Wednesday, if you were able to uh, receive of the teaching on Wednesday, whether you were here or by our uh, YouTube channel or live stream channel, uh, we started talking about um, let the righteous rejoice. And this is something that God has uh, brought me back to, not that I ever really left it in my personal study. It's been something that I have continued to give my attention to personally, but because uh, from a teaching standpoint, there are times that we need to cover other things. I, I, I'm, I'm being brought back to cover this and for us to maybe even go a next step in our understanding about the rejoicing of the righteous. And so Psalm chapter 68 says in verse 3, Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rides upon the heavens by His name, Jehovah, and rejoice before him. This instruction held and contained within these two verses is a multi-layered instruction. And I don't know that I'll go through every different uh, definition because uh, there are some specific things I need to focus on. Uh, But I do want us to see that there is an instruction to exceedingly rejoice, to exceedingly rejoice. And, and we were talking about that uh, recently, full out joy, to exceedingly rejoice, not a, not a mild rejoicing, not a medium flavored rejoicing. You know, if you get some salsa, you got mild, you got medium, and then you've got spicy hot, right? So God wants you to go to the top of the, the extreme with this exceedingly rejoicing. Let the righteous, this is specifically for us, the righteous. This is our behavior. This is our flow. This is our daily atmosphere. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Let them exceedingly rejoice. Let them exceedingly rejoice. So this word here in in, in that phrase, exceedingly rejoice, is actually two words together in the original as well. And it is, first of all, glee or gladness or mirth. And then the second part is to leap or to spring. 
Now, on Wednesday, we talked about the spinning, didn't we? Did, has anybody been spinning this? I was 5 o'clock in the morning, didn't even have my coffee yet, and I'm spinning in the, and trying not to wake up Liliana, spinning because of the goodness of God, amen? So this is a word that means to, to leap, to spring up or to leap. And so exceedingly rejoicing. We see Jeremy and Jamie doing that a lot, don't they? They are, they are leaping. They are leaping praisers. They got this verse down. They got this verb right here going on, right? They are leaping and springing. Pastor does them both at the same time. He leaps and twists in the, in the air, you know? And so this is the verb. It says to leap or to spring. So exceedingly rejoice means I am so gleeful. I am so, I've got so much gladness that I'm springing and I'm jumping up and down with this gladness. Let the righteous exceedingly rejoice. Exceedingly rejoice. And then in verse 2, it uses a word that is not a word we use often in our, I don't know that I've ever used it except for the Bible, extol. Have anybody else, have y'all, do y'all use that? Is that like your common go-to word? I extolled that. Yeah, I, I was extolled, and we extolled this, right? No, I've never used it outside of the Bible. So I needed to go find out what it means. And I looked it up, and it means to raise in words or to exalt in commendation or praise enthusiastically. To raise in words. To raise in words to exalt in commendation. And so if you commend someone, what this is saying, I'm commending God with my words, and as I do, he's being raised in my estimation. I'm saying, Lord, you are high above all. There's no one like you on the planet. Lord, you are greater than, and fill in the blank. There's nothing greater than you. You are greater than all things that could ever be compared or stood up next to you. You are greater than. I am commending him, and as I do, I am exalting him in my life. And then, again, that, the, the last part of that definition means to praise enthusiastically. To praise enthusiastically. So it says, this is something we are to do. Extol him. And I think it's interesting that the Amplified Bible uses the word or the definition, cast up a highway. Cast up a highway, because that's exactly what that word extol means from the Hebrew Chaldee Dictionary. To cast up or to set up a turnpike or a highway. So with my praises, when I am enthusiastically praising God and commending that He is greater than anything, any need that could ever exist in my life, He is greater than any disease that could ever try to attack my body, He is greater than, as I'm doing that, I am building a road for Him to come in to that situation and manifest His power and manifest His strength. I am lifting up a highway. You know, that's what John the Baptist did. He lifted up a highway preparing the way for the Lord right? With his declarations. How did he do it? With words, with his, with his declaration. There comes one behind me whose shoe latchet I'm not even worthy to, to latch. There, there's one who is coming who is the one sent by God. He was with his declaration establishing and preparing the way for Jesus. And this is the word extol. That with my commendation, with my enthusiastic praise, I am raising up a highway for God to come into that situation and manifest His power and His strength. Amen. So 
how important it is for us to be skilled in this rejoicing. Amen. How important it is for us to, to set the, in our life these disciplines of praising God continually. Of not just rejoicing when certain events take place. Not just having this enthusiastic uh, praising just because something good happens. It, definitely we can when something good happens, but it's not a reaction to events that happen. Praise is not intended to be a reaction to, to circumstances or situations. Praise is rooted in God and who He is. It's rooted in His position. And God's position doesn't change. Amen. So that means our praises don't change. If I, am, if I am establishing my praise based on who He is, then it's not going to change from day to day because He hasn't changed. He is the same. Amen? Amen? So the... the discipline of making this a spiritual activity, of letting these... And I think that's why there's so much in Scripture to provoke us to worship. Telling us things like, let the righteous be glad. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. There are so many New Testament and Old Testament instructions. Rejoice in the Lord always, the New Testament says. It also says in Thessalonians, rejoice evermore. Amen. So we've got New Testament and Old Testament instructions to make joy our lifestyle, yeah. to make it a continual flow of our day to the, so that our kids are used to hearing joy noises in our house. Yeah. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. They shouldn't run in and say, what's the matter? They should be like, oh, daddy's praising again. Daddy's worshiping. They, they know what that sound is. That's the sound of worship, right? They're not shocked and in terror when they hear joy noises in your house. Like, what's happened? What's happened? What happened? Oh, the Lord is good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're used to hearing the noises of joy. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, Psalm 100 says. Make a joyful noise. The Message Bible says, bring unto God a gift of laughter. When it says, serve him with gladness, bring unto God a gift of laughter. It says, sing your way into his presence. Come before his presence with singing. Amen? That's the atmosphere of our lives. And so how important it is for us to uh, remind ourselves and stir ourselves up to make this a continual activity in our life. Praise is intended to be an outflow of the heart. It is not based on emotions or thoughts. It's not supposed to come from emotions. And that's where I have, in my years of pastoring, seen most people use it as an emotional response or release when something good happens. That th there's not a lot of praise going on in that person's life other than when something big happens, got the raise, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, got a good report from the doctor. Woo! Well, let's worship before the report and let's worship the, let's, let's keep that praise going all the time because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And rejoicing is plugging in and recharging my joy. And this is the 
flow for the righteous. Does it say that uh, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and uh, joy in the Holy Ghost? Amen? So the joy of the Lord is the flow of the kingdom? Amen? Does it say that we have joy and peace in believing? That the God of all hope fill you with all joy? All joy, not some joy, not, not mild joy, not medium joy. God has put all the peppers in that salsa right there, yeah. Put some peppers in it. We need to taste that. Right? He said, put some joy in that mouth right there. Put some joy in that praise. Put some joy in there. Put some enthusiasm in there. Right? And so, all joy. The God of hope fill you with all joy. All joy and peace in believing. So if I'm believing, if I've got faith projects, anybody believing for something? Anybody believing for some, some family members to be saved? Maybe you're believing for a, a turn in your body. Maybe you're believing for something in your finances. Whatever it is, if you're in faith, you need joy. You need to make joy a priority. I'll tell you what, when somebody's in a faith fight or a faith project, they need joy and peace to have a preeminence in their attention that I'm making sure I'm, I'm checking, you know, on the dashboard. You want to make sure you constantly look at that gaslight. You know, you don't want to forget to look down. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. It's like, mm -hmm. Yeah, you need to constantly be watching that gas gauge because if that gas gauge gets low, you're not going very far. And if your joy level gets low, you're not going very far in faith. So keep your eye on that joy level and say, wait a minute, have I joyed today? Question yourself. Ask yourself. Look and find out where, how many joy experiences have I had this morning? How many joy breaks have I taken? I mean, we need to get up in joy. We need to maintain that joy throughout. The, how do I do it? I, rejoice. Rejoice. That's how you, you redo the joy. You, you access that joy flow with your rejoicing. And so we've got to examine our joy gauge by rejoicing. And John chapter 4, I want to move over into uh, an uh, emphasis in this rejoicing uh, and how it flows into worship. You know, before you go to John, let, go back to, I've quoted Psalm 100, but I think we need to look at it for just a moment. Because the more I've studied about joy and rejoicing, the more I see Psalm 100 holds the base or the foundation from which our joy will, a, a real steady flow of joy will really spring. And so Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So everybody is included in this instruction. Joy noise, it doesn't have to even be in key. If it's got joy in it, it sounds good to God. Everybody else might put their fingers over their ears and say, ooh, they can't sing. But God says if there's joy in your noise, it's pleasing to Him. Amen. Amen? So make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's what He wants. He doesn't want gloom. He doesn't want... God, I've been serving you all these years. No, serve him with gladness. I've been serving God all these years, right? Serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That's proper protocol. I remember uh, there, somewhere here in Kansas City, they, they might still be an organization, but I encountered an organization one time and what they did was they, their whole purpose 
was to teach mission groups and youth groups that were going on the mission field proper protocol for the nation they were going to. So if they were going over to Hong Kong and they were going to be trying to kind of, you know, uh, maybe do English classes over into China a little bit because we had a youth group that went and did that, they would train that youth group what is proper protocol to say, what things that you would not want to say or do that might be okay for the Western culture but would not be permissive uh, would not be acceptable in their culture. And so they would, they would have all of that information and they would know what is proper protocol. You know, if you came to my house and took your shoes off, I might say, ooh, please keep your shoes on. But if you went to China, a, a house in China or someone in certain Eastern cultures and you tried to come in their house with your shoes on, they're going to say, please take your shoes off, Right? And so you want to know what is proper protocol. So when you come into God's house, don't come in in mournful clothes. Amen. God, God wants you to have on the garments of praise when you come into his house. Hallelujah. He wants you to be wearing the, the uh, gladness, girded with gladness. It says that you have girded me with gladness, that you have taken from me the spirit of heaviness. So if I come in heavy, oh Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm coming up on the rough side. I am a poor, wayfaring stranger. God says, uh, 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 get that out of the house. Don't bring that in my house. You need to go change. Change that song. Don't bring that song in my house. You can't sing that here. That's not, that's not how we sing here. That's improper. That is, that is the wrong protocol for the presence. It says, come before his presence. How do you come into his presence? Singing. Singing. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, here's the base, here's the foundation of, of our worship to God. I know he is God. It is he who has made me. You know, it helps for you to put that in your heart and in your mouth. The Lord is God. It is He that has made me and not, not me. Amen. God made me. He made me. I am His and the sheep of His pasture. That's the, that's the root of our worship is that He's God. He made me. I'm His. I'm His child by the new birth. But I'm his creation. Amen? And then it says in verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts. Well, they understood the difference between the gate and the court was that you're coming more, you're coming closer to the presence. The gate of the tabernacle was the first thing that they encountered. And then they came into the courtyard of the tabernacle. And then there was the entering into the presence of God that the, the priests and the Levites did. So they understood when it says, for me to enter into the gate, that's how I make my first approach to God. And that helped me learn how to pray. 
Because instead of coming, this is how I used to pray before I learned this. Lord, forgive me for all my sins. I know I've made some today. Lord, I'm just a miserable, rotten sinner, and I'm just dust, and you, you have mercy on me, and I know, and whoa, 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 God said, that would be like a, a child walking, that would be like Aubrey as she learns to, to, to talk, she's got a lot of vocabulary now, but as she comes in, she goes, mommy, I'm a bad girl, and I don't deserve any milk today, and I don't deserve for you to let me sleep in my bed, and I don't deserve, I didn't clean my room, and I broke my favorite toy, and I think I kicked over uh, your lamp, and you know, she's telling all this reason why she's not worthy, and so, you know, I I don't deserve to, to even eat out of your refrigerator. Do you think that makes a parent's heart feel happy? Do you think that brings any joy to them? Their, their desire is to provide. Their desire is to, to help her and to be there for her and to fix anything that, that even if we make a mistake, he's here to help us. So if we sin, we don't wait until prayer time to deal with it. <laughs> the moment we recognize we've missed it, oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus. I repent for that. And you said that you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin if I will declare it, confess it to you. So, Lord, I should not have done that, and I ask you to forgive me. Now, I don't have to wait and deal with it when I go to prayer. When I come to prayer, that's already been dealt with, and I can come in saying, Thank you, Lord, for how you're merciful to me. Thank you, Lord, for how you help me. Thank you, Lord, that you're always by my side. You are always with me. So your wisdom, Lord. So enter into the gates with thanksgiving. Stir yourself up to be thankful. One of the most important things you can learn is is a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now, I did this teaching a number of years ago because of a, 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 a teaching that I actually, Keith Moore, was teaching on Thanksgiving victory. You can find it on his website. That changed my life. I love that teaching. I go back and read it or hear it often. Uh, Thanksgiving victory. And he said that the Lord asked him this question. The Lord said, do you want to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? And Keith Moore said, yes, yes, and a thousand times yes. I want to know how to increase my capacity because it's not God's capacity to give. According to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's our capacity that limits God. And so he said, do you want to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? And he said, yes. And the Lord said, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I've never forgotten that. And I began to put that to work back when I first heard that teaching, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And training yourself to be thankful always puts you in a position to receive. Do you remember the uh, lepers that were healed? Ten lepers were healed and only one came back and Jesus asked, where are the nine? Were they all healed? of that leprosy. They were all cleansed of their leprosy. They were, were they excited about the fact that they got back to go back to their homes? They hadn't been able to be in their house around their children. They hadn't got to sit in their lazy boy recliner and pull wood and kick the feet back. 
They hadn't got to have dinner with their family. They hadn't got to celebrate their wife's birthday or anything like that. They had not been uh, uh, in, they couldn't go to work, right? Do you think they were excited to get to go home, have their lazy boy recliner back, be with their their wife and their children? Do you think they were happy to be able to go back to work, that they were able to go back and have everything back in their life that they had lost and they were excited about it but they weren't thankful they were excited you can be excited about something and not be thankful for it they were all excited about it they enjoyed it too but only one came back to say thank you and he said it so loudly they could hear him coming right I mean, he got on his face saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, they all got cleansed, but this one man got something. He increased his capacity to receive from God because he got something that the other nine didn't get. Everything that had been taken from him in that leprosy, if he lost an ear, he was made whole. He was made whole. The nine got cleansed of their leprosy, but they didn't get wholeness because they didn't have the capacity to receive wholeness. But the one who was grateful, even to the point of going out of his way to come back and say thank you, he received something that the nine didn't receive. And so we can enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter into that gate. Enter in with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is the key because it opens up the door for me to get into the atmosphere of God and it keeps me in that atmosphere of God. If you want to see someone who is humble, you'll find someone who's thankful. If you want, because when you're thankful, you recognize, I didn't do that. That was the Lord. God did that. God did that. If you, if you train yourself to be thankful, it keeps you in a place of humility. Amen. There was a, uh, a, a, a king, Hezekiah, and God healed him. He was, he was on his deathbed, and there was no medical hope for him. And he turned his face to the wall and asked God to give him more years, and God did. God healed him of something that was incurable. And, and do you think he was excited about being healed? The Bible says Hezekiah did not return unto God. He did not return unto God in line with the benefit he had received. In other words, Hezekiah got up and said, Yeah, let's get back to business. Glad that's over with. Yeah, we, me, we Hezekiahs, we always bounce back. It's, we're, just, we're just strong like that. You know, my dad was like that. And my father, yeah, we, we just bounce right back. He should have had a thank you to God party right then. We're, the whole city, the whole nation, we're going to celebrate for a month. At look what the Lord has done. He didn't do any of that. Didn't give God any glory and the, the scripture says he did not render again to God what he should have rendered to God. Amen. So is there an importance of us being thankful? Yes. It is he who has made us. Yes. It's he who has made us. Yes. 
Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Yep. Well, then you've always got a reason to be thankful. Amen. Just start right there. If you can't think of it, I mean, if everything around you looks like there's nothing to be thankful, just stop and say, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to focus on that for a minute. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Lord, that you redeemed my soul from hell. Lord, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So he says we enter with thanksgiving through the gate. And then we enter into the courts with praise. And we know as we continue in that thanksgiving goes to praise and then praise moves into worship. Praise God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That's the basis of my praise. God is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth. So my praise isn't about things that happen. It's not about feelings. It's not about motions. I've got, I'm, I'm born again. I am a spirit. You are a spirit. We, we are living out of our spirit, and our spirit worships God for who he is. Not for what happens, not for how we feel. If we only train ourselves to praise God when we feel like it, we will miss a joy uh, level in our life that is necessary for victory. It's necessary for me to have the, the proper amount of joy active in my life. It says the children of Ephraim, even though they were equipped and armed for war, they turned back because their strength was small. If their strength was small, and Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, they could have got some strength from God through their rejoicing. They didn't have to turn back. They didn't have to experience that loss. They didn't have to have defeat. They could have gotten in the presence of God and got their joy because they were already armed. They were already equipped. They just lacked the strength, the joy. So everything in your life is easier for you if you've got joy. Everything. You know, the Bible says that the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in time of pain or bodily trouble. That's the Amplified the, the strong spirit will sustain you in times of trouble or bodily pain. So if your body is under attack, you need spiritual strength. You need joy. The strong spirit will help me overcome it. But then it says, but a weak spirit, who can bear it up? There are things people are putting in the white flag and giving up because not because the adversary is greater, but because their strength is lesser. Their joy is lesser. So if I discipline my life to maintain my joy tank, then in everything I face, I'm going to encounter an ease in it because I have a spiritual strength to deal with it. I have a spiritual strength to deal with it. Hallelujah. John 4, let's look at verse 24. I think I'm ready to go to John now. John chapter 4 and verse 24, Jesus is teaching 
And he is teaching about worshiping from our spirit. Remember, we want our praise, our rejoicing to be an outflow of the spirit, the heart, not emotional. So that means I can praise God no matter what's happening. And, and you will be at a greater advantage if you praise more during trouble. I mean, praise all the time, but if, if trouble starts, really amp it up. That's what James is talking about when he said, count it all joy when you find, when you find yourself in diverse temptations. Count it time for maximum joy. Yes. Maximum joy. Yes. So when, when you're under attack and that word fall into temptations means when you, are, uh, when you fall head first and you find yourself surrounded on every side. And it's the same word used in the only one other time in the New Testament when the, when the man fell among thieves who robbed him and beat him and left him for dead and then the Good Samaritan came and found him. So when you find yourself falling headfirst into situations that are trying to rob you, beat you, and leave you for dead, it, consider it time for maximum joy. Maximum joy. That's the Berkeley translation. Consider it maximum joy. Amen? So we recognize this joy is coming from our spirit. John chapter 4 and verse 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. One translation says, your worship must engage your spirit. Your worship must engage your spirit. Now, Thanksgiving, rejoicing, and worship. They are all of the same nature with different flows. Thanksgiving has that focus of gratitude. Rejoicing has that uh, joy and that, re that focus on who God is, what He's done. We praise the Lord for His mighty works. We praise Him for His greatness. Amen? And then that worship is that intimate uh, that one-on-one, -on -one, I love you, uh, I worship you, I magnify you, great are you, Lord, and it, it's that really you've entered into that connection. You can learn in your life how to go right into worship, but it's probably after you have practiced going through thanksgiving and rejoicing many times to get you to that place. Uh, that's what, when, when I teach with the worship team, I know I, I deal a little bit more personal with the worship team in uh, the Little Rock location because I'm still in that stage of leading it at this time. But that's our aim. That's our aim is that we're, we're aiming. And if I've got there before service starts, if I've already entered into that worship, and then the moment I get into the platform, I move right over into it. It's really easy for me to bring the congregation in with me if I'm already there in that worship. So if you've practiced the thanksgiving and the rejoicing so that it's quick and easy for you to move into that place of worship, that's why if you don't worship all week, it's hard to get uh, uh, people to move into worship when we come together corporately. But y'all are some worshipers. you all here. I just look out here. I'm telling you, y'all are some worshipers. And that's why it, we come in and we get in together because we've been worshiping all week. We've been praising God all week when we come together and we move into a flow of the Holy Spirit. Not every church has that.
Not every church has that. And so we recognize and we cultivate that. Look with me at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. So God doesn't intend for us just to wait until we get to service for this. This is to be our life. And then when we come together, we're able to flow together in a greater way. Philippians 3 and verse 3 says, We are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We worship God with our spirit. Now our mind is involved because our spirit is governing it. But our mind is not, is not the um, starting place of our praise or our worship. I use my mind to rehearse His greatness. I use my mind and I'll go through and start pulling up all of the things that I know about how great He is, how great His name is, that His name is higher Amen? That there, there's no other name that's higher than the name of Jesus and that God has given him a name and at that name every niche. I, I, I pull up all of those phrases from the scriptures that help provoke a praise in me, but it's from my spirit that I am, I am praising. My mind is involved, but my mind is, I'm not waiting on my mind to initiate it. My spirit initiates it. My emotions don't initiate my worship. They're included. They're going to they're gonna respond. But my spirit, so I can worship God and not feel it and not even be thinking about it, but just begin to start worshiping God and, and telling my mind we're going to think about how good God is for a little while and we're going to move over with our, our words and our thoughts and then my emotions are going to follow. And they'll, they'll follow and, and submit to that. But I've chosen it in my spirit. So we worship God from our spirit. We don't wait till we feel like worshiping. We worship Him based on His worth. The word worship means to ascribe worth or value. To ascribe worth or value. So if you were a, a jeweler and they brought to you a collection of different jewels, and they, sit, they lay out before you on the table uh, certain diamonds and uh, certain cuts of rubies or emeralds, and they're wanting you to tell the value of them, and a jeweler is able to look at the different cut of the diamond and find out what is the best quality of the diamond. So let's say there are three diamonds in front of him. He looks at the quality of the diamond. He looks at the cut of the diamond. Of course, the size, the weight of the diamond. And then he can ascribe a value to that diamond and say this first diamond is worth such amount of money and this second diamond because it's a different cut and it's a different quality it's worth a different value and this third diamond uh, this is the worth of this diamond and so you have to be able to look and to evaluate and to examine and investigate to ascribe the worth that's what worship is is that I'm, I'm giving him my spiritual attention and I'm looking at him. Not, you know, we, we, we praise him for the mighty things that he's done, but when I get over to the place that I'm valuing him, I'm worshiping. 
when I'm recognizing the value of having you in my life, Lord. Your wisdom in my life, Lord. Your strength, the way you love me, Lord. Do you see that you're looking at his value to you? That's worship. Ascribing value. And so you'll never get done worshiping. We'll never reach a place where I don't need to worship God anymore. I've worshiped him and I've given him enough worship. No, no. No. Just looking at him in our relationship with him will cause worship to come up. Amen? Amen? So, so let's, let's learn, a, a one, let's be like those jewelers. Let's, let's be skilled in being able to look at God and see his value. You know, because there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who have looked at God. And they're not interested in having him in their life. They haven't seen him the way you've seen him because you're here today. Amen. And you've got his love letter to you in your, in your hands. You. Right? So you've seen a value in him that they haven't seen yet. We want all of our family to see the value in God. Amen? And part of our, our, our lifestyle of worship will help them see because they'll, they'll look and, and, and say, you know, it, I'm just thinking of Mother Virginia and how many of her children and grandchildren can look and say, my grandmother valued her relationship with God all of her life and served God and went to church and read the Bible and prayed to God. And if they ever come to a place that they're looking for him, they're going to remember grandma's walk with God. And all the prayers that she prayed for them are helping. (laughs) And the declarations of faith that God, you're going to save my whole household. Amen. But that lifestyle of worship that she's doing because she has a value for God in her life, it will be a witness to her family. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 34, Psalm 34, like those jewelers, you and I can be skilled in looking at God and seeing his value and learning how to, to recognize his worth. Psalm 34 and verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Isn't that what a jeweler is going to do? They're going to pull out their jeweler's eye. They're going to get their magnifying glass. They got that little jeweler's eye and it's a magnifying glass. And they can look through it with that one eye, with through that jeweler's eye. And they can see all the dimensions and all of the, the, the clarity of that diamond, right? And so this is what the psalmist tells us. Magnify the Lord with me magnify the Lord with me. This word magnify means uh, to uh, promote, to be greatly valued, to become great or important. In, in the Hebrew, it means to make much of or to value highly, to make great, to make much of. So the more you begin to make much about him, the more you're going to see him through that jeweler's eye, through that magnifying glass. The more that you begin to say, you are good. I mean, we began to sing that and, and 
I immediately started to, because I've been to a place with that song before. That's another thing for, for the worship team. We, if we've gone somewhere with that, if people have gone somewhere with the song before and it's taken them to that place of intimacy with God, it'll get them back there again. And, and that song, God has used that song to bring me into that place in his presence where I see how good he is, how kind he is, and how faithful in that goodness and how faithful in that kindness forever, forever. It's a covenant of goodness and kindness he's made with me. Hallelujah. And so as we begin to worship and to sing that and to give our attention to it, then we saw it more even clearly. In our, in our own spirit, we saw more clearly how good he is. Amen? So it says to make much of or to value highly. Magnify the Lord. Let me give you two other places. There, it's in the Psalms a lot, but we'll look at Psalm 40 and verse 16, which is almost identical to Psalm 70 and chapter 70 verse 4. So I'm just going to read one of them. Psalm 40, 16. Let all those that seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let all those that seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Is anybody in here seeking the Lord? You want His plan for your life. You want His way for your life. You want God's will in your marriage, in your finances, in your body. Seek Him by rejoicing and being glad in Him. Let such as love your salvation. Anybody in here love the fact that He saved you? Amen. You love the fact that He is 911, always on call. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You've got God at, at, at a beckon and a call. Call on His name, He'll save you, right? Amen. If you love that salvation, then say this continually. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Psalm 74 is identical except it says, let God be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Let God be magnified. Amen? So this is telling us how to, to understand the will of God to find his path for our life, to in, 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 in interact with his perfect will. The joy and that rejoicing and magnifying God above every problem. If we magnify the problem and we talk about the problem and we talk about what the doctor said about the problem and what WebMD says about the problem and all the Google reports about the problem and, and we rehearse the problem and we, we visit the problem with our thinking and we, we tell everybody who calls us about the problem and we run into people we haven't even seen in six months and they get to hear the problem too. And then uh, we've magnified the problem and guess what appears bigger? Guess what appears to be greater than? The problem. But if you rehearse God, His track record, find a failure. Can you find one? I can't find one. I've been, I, not that I've been trying to find one, but in all of my study of the Scripture, I can't find where God has ever failed. I haven't, I mean, they need to, we don't sing the song, God hasn't failed me yet. Because yet, like I'm waiting? No, there's no yet. 
God doesn't fail. God doesn't fail. So just begin to rehearse his victory reports. Rehearse his his track record of overcoming. Rehearse his salvation report. Amen? And as you're doing that, he becomes greater than. Greater, greater. My father is greater than all. Greater, greater. My father is greater than all. Greater than poverty, greater than lack. Greater than any financial attack. No one can pluck me from my father's hand. My father is greater than all. When you begin to rehearse the greatness of God, then nothing looks hard. Nothing in your life looks daunting. Nothing in your life can be uh, uh, overwhelming when God's overwhelming to you. If God's overwhelming to you, everything else looks weak, puny. Ah, That's nothing for my God. That's nothing for God. My God created the planets. That's nothing for my God. He set the earth in orbit around the sun. My my God. (laughs) Hallelujah. He measures the water in his hands. Hallelujah. When you begin to magnify the Lord, everything else looks small in comparison. And so when the problem is vying for your attention and the problem saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look how you feel. Check that symptom again. Look how you feel. Turn, because it's spiritual. It's not your emotions and it's not your mind that's worshiping and, and praising. Your spirit can worship God and give your attention to magnifying the Lord no matter what you feel, no matter what you're surrounded by. You can worship God. And when you do, He will be magnified above and greater than your problem. And that is the correct way of looking at things. Amen. So Jehoshaphat had, as we, we were singing earlier about the goodness, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Jehoshaphat was surrounded. There were three kingdoms of armies that were come against him. There was no way. He, he went to God and he did not talk the problem. He went to God and he said, you are so great. You are the God who brought our fathers to this land and you said that if we ever needed you that we could call upon your name, that we we could come to you and you would help us. And so Lord, I just want you to look out there and and see what's come against me and I want you to know I'm trusting in you. And God said, set yourself You will not have to fight. The battle is mine. And so they all said, we believe God. I believe God. And they got up in the morning and they all came together and they said, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. We believe God and we're established. We believe his prophet, so we'll prosper. And we believe that we won't have to fight. So we don't need to get the weapons ready. And, and we don't need to get the chariots with the, uh, the armed guards. And, and No, what we need 
is just send out the praise team. God did not tell them to do that. Faith in what God said. They believed God. God said we won't have to fight, so why would I send the swordsmen out if God said, that? duh, right, right? Why would I send out the swordsmen if God said you don't need to fight? God said we don't need to fight, but get the army ready. Send the army out. Wait, God said we don't need to fight. So what are we going to do if we're not going to fight? Well, let's just thank him in advance. And they went out singing, the Lord is good, his mercy endures forever. And as they began to sing, when they began to sing, they cast out a highway. They extolled God. They extolled God. They lifted up a highway, and God came racing down that highway and dealt with their problem. It says he inhabits the praises. God inhabits praises. The word inhabit means to sit upon a throne. Amen. The word means to sit upon a throne. When you're praising God, especially in the middle of your problem, God takes the dominion over that problem because he's like, wait a minute, if you're giving me the throne and I have the right to choose how this goes, I'm going to turn it in your benefit. Right? The problem doesn't have the dominion. If you praise the problem, what's going to be on the throne? The problem. Oh, look at the problem. Look at the problem. Look at the problem. The problem this. The problem says this. And the problem does this. And the problem track record is this. And the problem this. And, and this disease this. And, oh, and we lower our voice to name a disease. Don't lower your voice and give honor to the disease. No, God gets all the honor here. We're going to lift up God. We're going to praise God. We're going to magnify God. And as we, as we praise Him, He takes the throne, and that means He's in dominion over the problem. The problem is not in dominion over you. Because He sits upon the throne of praises. Amen? So magnify the Lord with me. Oh, Father, we determine to be people of praise. We are the righteous and we are glad and we rejoice and we extol you, Lord. We set up a highway for you to have a constant road and a path into our lives and into our situations. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are God all by yourself. <laughs> you are above all you are our heavenly father and your love is to a thousand generations lord we celebrate you and we recognize that you are lord over every area of our lives in jesus name praise the lord we've got homework we've got homework rejoice in the lord exceedingly rejoice you don't have to do it in front of everybody but jump in your house and spin in your house for him not for anybody I'm, I'm not doing it for anybody else you know if somebody sits and says oh why are you singing that song I'm not singing it for you you don't have to listen plug your ears I'm singing it for him I'm spinning for him I'm jumping for him I'm bringing God a gift of laughter. He likes to hear me laugh. Like, Daddy, I have a gift for you today. <laughs> He's like, oh, Michelle, I love that. Do it again.
I love that. Thank you. Nobody else can bring him that but me. My laughter. You can bring your laughter, but you can't bring mine. You can bring your joy to God, but you can't bring my joy to God. Only I can bring my joy to God and rejoice in him. And only you can bring yours. Stand with me to your...